At Echo, we love celebrating Happy City Hawkins Day. Or Indian Pudding Day. Isaiah, <laughs> do you love Indian Pudding? Austin loves Indian Pudding. I've never had it. Did you know that Echo could be your place, your people, and your purpose all in one space? It's a beautiful thing. It's very beautiful. <laughs> It's beautiful. <laughs> we encourage you to take your first steps into this life-giving local church and find the community and the support that you've been hoping for. Stop by at Mayo High School for one of our services at 9.15 or 10.45 on Sundays. We'd love to meet you. Yes, we would. In fact, let us know that you are out there. Press the like button, leave us a comment, or send us a prayer request. Let's talk about Sunday, November 20th. Let's Isaiah. do it. We will be doing Build a Box. Yes, you heard that correctly. Not a bag. No bags. No bags. We will be building over 200 care boxes for those who need some help during this holiday season. We're excited to help assist the Gage apartment community, Together for Good Families, a few schools, and those who have been nominated. We cannot wait and we cannot do this without you. Lastly, would you get behind us financially as we echo Jesus in Rochester and the surrounding area? Yes, the easiest way to give us give with us is to head to our website or text any amount to 
church, can we lift the greatest sound of praise in this place? Come on, we can do better than that if we are thankful for God's faithfulness and His goodness in this place. Amen? Amen, God. We are so thankful to be here in the house of you this morning, God. God, we come expectant for a message that is sound and focusing on your truth. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. here called the church ladies let's hear for them okay I guess I got a fan club in front here is anybody glad to be here at echo today church ladies <laughs> I'm gonna ignore that side of the room today uh, Hey, we are, we are in a, uh, we're concluding a series that we've been calling uh, Back to the School of Leadership. Has anybody enjoyed that? Um, I, I loved it because I've learned a lot. <laughs> so uh, thanks for letting me teach what, what I've been kind of leaning in and listening uh, to the Holy Spirit about. And, and, and ultimately, uh, I presented this idea, it doesn't matter who you are in the room, God has called you to be a leader in your context. So you might not be a CEO, you might not be an entrepreneur, but you're a mom, you're a dad, you're a grandma, you're, you're a neighbor, can, can, you're an old church lady, can I hear an amen? Uh, honestly, I can't look at them, so um, I, I got PTSD. No. <laughs> Let's hear for the ladies here. They, they got some coffee to brew in the percolator. Um, But as I was thinking about this series, uh, kind of what was resonating in my heart is that, that we're all a character within this larger narrative that we can read about in scripture. And we, can, we live out in a daily basis. And, and, and the one thing that the Lord had really prompted me here about a month ago uh, was is that we're not just called to be a character in this big story, but we're supposed to have good character. Is anybody with me today? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I personally think there's three things that, that I want to be uh, that define my, my good character. And the three things are this is integrity, self-control. And what I want to talk about today is satisfaction. Does anybody want to sing a song about that today? Yes. Not really. Okay. I don't, I don't even know the lyrics. Uh, <laughs> okay, someone's going, someone's going. I better start preaching before he keeps singing. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but just let me lean in. Let me tell you a little bit about satisfaction and, and my personal definition. I'm going to kind of give you the goods before we even get started. Uh, in my opinion, satisfaction, true satisfaction, if you have it in your life, it is the ability to exercise gratitude now. Satisfaction is the ability to experience gratitude now instead of looking behind or what is next. Y'all get what I'm saying? It is so easy to get caught up into what's happening down the road or beyond my four walls or the white picket fence I live in, or it is also, as we get older, it's easy to look back and begin to think about the good old days and how we were satisfied then. So 
let's, let's lean in a little bit into the scriptures and see what it has to say about it. But Matthew chapter 4, if you have your Bible, that is the narrative that we've been kind of looking into for the last month or so. Uh, but before I do that, I want to let you know, as I was doing some study and I was using a thing called Google, I found uh, that The Hill had reported a Gallup survey recently that from this day or recently uh, and looking back into 2020, the beginning of 2020 pre-pandemic, uh, that there has been a drop by eight percentage points of people's personal satisfaction in life. And it's fun, it was kind of fun to read a little bit, but it was literally, they had a graph, and the graph uh, poignantly uh, defined that just before March of 2020, the all-time high, or recent high, I should say, of satisfaction, personal satisfaction, was in that February 2020 time, but has dropped progressively since then. And if I were going to guess if there was, there was attack on anything when it came to the pandemic or how the enemy wanted to leverage that moment and our situation is he wanted to attack specifically what we're satisfied with or what we're dissatisfied with. He wanted to begin for us to maybe be able to define it and to articulate our satisfaction or the lack thereof. But let's lean in to see what the scripture says about it. Matthew 4, uh, verse 1, at the beginning of it, as I've read uh, a number of times at this point, but contextually so you, those that are new, you would understand what's going on, is Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness or the desert, and what happens there is he's tempted. Or, as other versions say it, he is put on trial by the adversary. He's going to be tested and tempted to see what he is made of. And uh, let's lean into the third temptation today. It says something in the way of this. You'll see it on the screen. It says, lastly, the adversary took him to the summit of a very high mountain and showed, in him, showed him the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he said to them, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. This was the third temptation that Jesus was experiencing. And, and the way that he responded, and, and I, you know, again, it's like the way it's written, it feels so succinct, but I kind of wonder if this was a, a well thought out response, or, or maybe he kind of chewed on this for a bit. But the way Jesus responds is, is uh, astounding. He says, away with you, Satan, for it is, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the adversary ended up leaving him alone. And it says the angels came to take care of Jesus, to, to, uh, to, to meet his needs. Jesus was at a all-time low when it came to his energy, although the enemy brought him to this high place to be try, uh, really to try to sell him a certain amount of things or a perspective or an experience. And what I see here, uh, personally, if I can term it in my own words when it, to this whole story and what it's trying to say is this, is what we have to understand as people and as leaders that when we reach a summit, you will be tempted to look beyond it until the next and not be satisfied now. Have you been there? I know I have. I've had these really pinnacle moments in my life 
And, and although they are good and they're, they're awesome, it is so easy to just look what, to what's next. I mean, any parents out here today? I mean, how many of us are guilty? Like, oh man, when our kids are just a little older and we don't have to pay for childcare anymore. You know, and then your teenagers come into the world and you don't have to pay them anymore, but then like you do pay, it's just in a different way. It is just one of those things in our, in our leadership journey, in our life, even spiritually. It is so easy to, to, to be tempted to not just appreciate what's going on right now. I was at a, uh, recently, just this last week, I was invited to go uh, participate in a Notre Dame game in South Bend on campus. It was absolutely amazing. I got to see Touchdown Jesus, Miro, it was cool. And then they had all these different little things that were going on on campus and we got to participate on that. We went to the bookstore and saw everything they were trying to sell. It was just like, it was a really just epic weekend. And we came to the game and I'm not, honestly, I'm not a fan of Notre Dame. I am now, I guess. I've been, I've been converted. And, uh, and, and, but we were watching the game. I was pretty, you know, like I, mean, I was interested in the game. I wanted Notre Dame to win, but like my heart's not there. Y'all know what I'm saying? In the same way, I, my heart can't really be in Wisconsin this year because we're just struggling, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Everywhere, you know? So, um, but I found it interesting. The guy who invited us is an avid Notre Dame fan. And we're in this like kind of all-inclusive type of like box, you know, it was really nice. I mean, it was, I mean, it was amazing. All you can drink sparkling drinks for me. It was awesome. All you could eat as much food as you want. And we're having a great time with everybody in the room. But then there was that guy who invited us. He is the most outgoing individuals that I know in life. And during that game, because he was an avid Notre Dame fan, he could not enjoy what he was in. I mean, literally, he sat at the bottom of that box, and he was literally just sitting like this, going like this, like so worried about the game. And you know, guess what? Notre Dame never went a score down. It was always clear to me that Notre Dame was going to win, but he was sitting there, and you know what he was doing? He was critiquing the winning team because they could play better. Anybody ever do that in life? You're winning but you aren't satisfied. You're in this amazing experience, but you're missing the moment. And I, I guess I just wanted to remind us today that God is calling us to live in the now. Can I hear an amen? And not go so fixated, get so fixated on what's in the future or what's even in the back, but just appreciate who you're in the place with. What is going on and, and, and who is it going on with, but it is, like I said, it's so easy to be dissatisfied in those summit type of moments or in our desert moments. Uh, now I want to make four observations on this text. Uh, and, and again, it's kind of an overarching observation of the whole story of Jesus's temptation and his time in the wilderness. Uh, the one thing I want to, uh, the first observation or maybe statement I want to make is the enemy is the enemy in this story because he is not satisfied. Okay, now let me help you understand that. Satan, the enemy, he is the enemy because he cannot find satisfaction. 
If you know anything about the story of, uh, of Satan, the devil, the enemy, the adversary, whatever term you want to use, is he was once in heaven with God, but he could not be satisfied with what he had. He had so fixated on what he didn't have, and, and that's why there was that falling out. And so he's sitting here, and the enemy is so dissatisfied, all he can fixate on, fixate on is this, is to be, make you unsatisfied. So just, just to let you know, if, if you are experiencing dissatisfaction in life, it's because the enemy, his whole goal is to make you unsatisfied and he's going to take every opportunity, it doesn't matter if you're on the top of the mountain or you're in the valley low, to, to remind you that you are not satisfied. Louis Giglio, an author, uh, writes this. He says, the devil is the worst kind of salesperson. He tells you exactly what you want to hear and he, so, he shows you exactly what you think you are looking for. He is not selling you the truth or life to the full. He is selling a lie. That's what the enemy does. So if you're feeling dissatisfied, just to let you know, man, you're buying into the lie of what the enemy is trying to have you perceive or to experience. Here's the second observation. This, this moment where the enemy brings Jesus up to the mountain is very familiar to another story later on in the story uh, in the stories of Jesus. And this story particularly that it kind of mirrors is Jesus leads his disciples to a high place, to a mountain. And what happens in this story is Jesus is transfigured, okay, big word, but he's, he, he, he's changed he, he begins to sh shine. I mean, he looks holy. He looks like a deity in front of a few of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. And then all of a sudden, a couple other characters in, in, in the story, Elijah, epic character in scripture, a miracle worker and prophet. And then there's another guy named Moses who comes on into that moment too. Like he's, he's done a few things. You might've heard of him at some point. And, and he, he shows up on the mountain with Jesus. And all the while, Peter, James, and John are looking at it and they're perceiving what's going on. I mean, well, imagine being at that place. I mean, if there was ever a moment I'd want to be, it would be at that moment on that mountain with those people just enjoying that now moment. But then there's Peter. How many love Peter out there? I love Peter. I relate to him. You know what he does? He doesn't love and he doesn't enjoy the moment and, and just really appreciate the now. He looks at Jesus and said, hey, this is good, but what if we build three temples here and y'all could live on this mountain for a while and you could be worshiped for a long time? See, what I'm trying to tell you is this, is, is the temptation of the enemy in the desert and when it's obvious that, the, that like the devil is tempting you about a specific thing, maybe potentially in your leadership or in your family or in your spiritual life, like it's one thing when you know it's, ev it's evidently the enemy, but it's another thing when the temptation comes in the form or in the face or the person of your friend. I only make that observation to tell you this is those small temptations that you experience as a person or as a leader, those are building blocks and a fertile ground to be able to continue to overcome the temptations that may follow. But guess what? They're maybe not as evident that they're in the fashion of a 
friend. I see it says in the scripture that Satan actually uh, masquerades as an angel of light. And, and I really do think that Jesus was over, he overcame that mountaintop experience with Peter trying to convince him to set up shop there because he first overcame it in the desert, in the wilderness. The third observation is this, is, is um, if I could even say it like this, it's like a little bit of demonology of sorts. It's the study of, of the enemy, is the enemy can only offer limited benefit and limited authority. He is not capable of doing more than what Jesus can do. I said this in the first hour, and, and, and it wasn't in my notes, but I really do think it's, it's a pretty vivid way for us to understand, is the enemy cannot create. All he can do is manipulate. In your leadership journey, the enemy cannot create something. He can only manipulate that which is already created. And that is what he tries to do in, in, in your life. He will promise you that he can give you all the power and he can give you all the authority. But I'll tell you what, he cannot follow through. But so often we get sucked into that type of lie. And the type of lie that he typically uses on the fourth observation is this, is it's always a future tense promise. It's the key word is, I will. I mean, if we're ever being tempted as a leader or we're, we're tempted to compromise maybe our integrity or, or, or kind of like sell out with our self-control, it typically is a future promise of your experience that, that truly like may or may not come true, but it's always the promise of the future. See, I want to tell you this is when Jesus is sitting there on top of the mountain, the enemy looks at Jesus and said, hey, see what, see all these kingdoms? You see all these splendors? If you serve me today, I will give you this. It's a small little detail, but how many of you know that when you're on top of a mountain, you have a limited perspective? Just, 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 just hang, hang with me just for a second. If you went down that mountain, you jumped into your car and you drove uh, two or three miles to another peak and you looked at that horizon, how many of you know that you're gonna see a different horizon? You're gonna see a different perspective. You're gonna see a new quote unquote kingdom or a new splendor or new something down the road. See, what we do as leaders is the enemy says, I will give you what you see and we submit to that temptation, but we, what happens is we lose out on the things that we don't yet see. You know what it is? It's called short selling what God wants in your life. It's so easy. It is so easy to be in a circumstance or a situation or a context and just not appreciate what you have. My parents are here today, and I'm going to pick on them a little bit, but when I was a child, there was always a few type of cereals that would be in my house. Golden Grams was one of those. Any fans out there? Okay, we got a few. But when I went to my friend's house, they had Lucky Charms. <laughs> we never had Lucky Charms at my house. Never! Never, 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 never. 
We always had golden grams. If you haven't picked up on my sarcasm yet, let me tell you that I am being sarcastic, but I want to tell you it is so easy to become dissatisfied in golden opportunities. There's a few different items in here, right? Different shapes, right? You got the heart, you got the rainbow, but then you got the four-leaf clover. And and actually, as I was Googling, because that's where I go for everything, uh, according to the legend, the lucky four-leaf clover goes back to Eve, who supposedly carried it out of the garden. The issue of dissatisfaction starts at the beginning. And, and, and some of you are like, what is your point, Andy? We're going to deal with being unsatisfied for the rest of our life unless we as leaders and if people begin to check our own idealism in comparison. Because I'll tell you what, idealism in comparison kills satisfaction. And you know, what, you know what it does, you know what idealism and comparison do? They begin to eat our breakfast. <laughs> and our breakfast isn't even that bad. And I just want to tell us and remind us, you all know this already, like, like man, God is calling us to be fully satisfied in him, that the enemy comes here and all he can do is promise in part. But you know what Jesus can do? He can promise in whole Jesus experienced temptation at at the highest level and he overcame it time after time and time again. He laid down his own authority, his own power, and he submitted himself on a cross so that he would create a way so that we don't have to, to manufacture or manipulate our own satisfaction, but that we could, in, in essence, receive that satisfaction with the relationship with our heavenly Father. I'm preaching way better than you're responding. <laughs> Must be in Minnesota. Love you guys. But I just wonder, I just wonder if the Lord wants to begin to plant a heart of satisfaction and of gratitude and this appreciation of what we have right now. Most of you, you came with someone in church today. Just look at them real awkwardly and just appreciate that they're sitting next to you. You know, like like hold their hands, put your arm around them and, and just say, thank you for being in my life. I am satisfied today. Now, if you aren't convinced yet, I, let me just tell you, I, I, I looked into this, did some study, and there are some statistics that that present this idea that satisfaction can grow uh, in a, because you position yourself to be satisfied more, okay? So again, it's in the, it's Gallup, uh, the Gallup poll is what um, presents this. But the one thing they present is this, is people who are in a community of faith are more satisfied than others. Life satisfaction levels are higher for those, and they, they present three different high ones, okay, higher than normal. First of all, 54% of people who have a higher education level are more satisfied with those who do not. 
The second thing that they quote is this, is people who have an annual income, a family annual income over $40,000 and between $100,000 are 52% more satisfied than others. And then they go and break down and say, if you make 100,000 or more, uh, you, you, you're 61% more likely to be satisfied with your personal life. Okay, but listen to the highest satisfaction. This is them saying it, it's not me saying it. it those who are... Uh, who, who attend a weekly religious service are the most satisfied individuals around in America. They're quoted, 67% of people who attend a weekly service are satisfied with their personal life. Now, that sounds like a great commercial to come to Equa Church a little bit more. Can I hear an amen? I mean, I mean, I love it. You know, like Nacho Libre doesn't believe in science, but maybe he believes in statistics. I mean, this is a really cool thing that, that like some of you who are lacking some stat- satisfaction, a simple little thing you could do is just make this a part of your plan every week. National uh, polls and research shows that the average churchgoer goes to church 1.5 times a month. And I, what I'm presenting to you today is what if you came every week? And it's not just attending. It's not just sitting in a seat. It's not just listening to a message. It's not just worshiping God in, 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 in the expression of, of music. No, it's getting to know the people who are sitting next to you. It's, it's, it's understanding that, that a lot of what we do here isn't just about the preaching or the screaming, or, or the singing. It's about the community that we're a part of and how they're also a part of our life. Amen. Here's the second thing that they reported. They present this idea that people who have meaning in their life are more satisfied with, for those, or, you know, versus those who have less meaning or have no quote-unquote purpose in their life. They, they actually say, and again, don't anybody get jealous of me here today, okay? But they say this, they say clergy have the highest rate of job, job satisfaction, 90%. Any, anybody want to be a pastor in the house today? <laughs> don't do it. Don't, 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 don't. No, I'm kidding. But, but how cool is that? They presented that in a, just a national type of uh, a survey, and, and, uh, and, and, and what that does, I, I'm not trying to present the fact that y'all should become a clergy. No, I, I think you actually should live like pastors every day at your home and your work and, and, and your gym, and, and come on, some of you need to be a pastor while you're driving down that road. Some of you road ragers <laughs> have a little meaning, okay? This isn't about getting A to B as fast as you can. It's also waving at people, not other than just your middle finger, okay? You know, there, you could find, you'd be surprised how satisfied you, you are when you actually overcome that uh, temptation. But um, uh, they, they, they presented this idea that clergy, and it's not because they're clergy, you, and I hope you know that, it's, it's because people who are pastors, they don't sign up for the paycheck, they, they sign up for the purpose, and there's some of you that, that lack meaning in this place, and I've come here today, we set up portable church to tell you that you have a purpose in your life, that you have meaning in your life, that you're not a mistake. Did you hear that? You're not a mistake. You were created with a purpose, and God wants you it wants you to begin to understand what that purpose is, and he wants to begin to reveal how you can live that out. 
And unapologetically, I want to tell you this, is we have created uh, a process here at Echo to not only on-ramp you into a new church home, but we want to help reveal the way God shaped you so that you can live out your purpose. And if you're sitting in here and you don't know your purpose and you're not living out your purpose, I would just beg you to come to Echo Culture next week with Christy and let her guide you down that path so that you can find some meaning and therefore you can find more satisfaction in your life. Okay, and then the third thing that the survey revealed is... Maturity will help you over time become more satisfied. It actually presents this idea the longer you stay at a job, the more satisfied you become. In fact, over two decades, it will progressively go up. And again, yes, it might be the same job, but let me present this idea. Some of it, I believe, is this, is just us getting old and, and, and really the older we get, I think the less ideal we become, ideal, stuck in idealism. And the second thing I would hope that as you mature, the less comparison you, you, you kind of willingly, willingly allow into your life. Now, I've, on the flip side, I've seen people who in life, the older they get, the less satisfied they become. And honestly, I, I, I believe it's because God has created certain things in this life that can help you along the way. And that's my, my prayer. So many leaders are in this room. All of you are, are people that, are, that have a purpose. You're called, you're, you're chosen, and, and God wants you to continue to, to move forward. And, 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 and honestly, I think God just wants to, 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 to bring you joy no matter where you are, no matter what your context is, no matter what situation you might be walking through. So some of you are like, okay, Andy, statistically you present this idea, you've revealed this idea of what the enemy is and what he's trying to do and provide that dissatisfaction in my life. And, and statistically, like if I do a few things like down the road, then I can, be some, come, uh, I can get a little bit more satisfied. But what can I do today? Let me present one easy, simple idea. It's this, is if you want to find satisfaction, then do this sound off meaning name your simple blessings now. If you want to be more satisfied today than you were yesterday, then guess what? After church, no matter how the game's going, name the blessings that are around you. If you want to grow in your satisfaction, begin to just say thank you more. If you want to find satisfaction, then begin to sound off and name the simple blessing. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is this, is learn the art of gratitude. What I love about the Bible is there are a ton of examples of people who, who walk through adversity, who have been promised a kingdom, promised an opportunity, promised a position of power, an opportunity to exercise authority, but then also has to navigate 
decade after decade after year after year of not actually achieving what was promised. One of those people was David, who we know is King David. Before King David existed, it was little David. David who hung out with the sheep, David. But then some way, somewhere down the road, he, he was anointed and he was presented to be a king. He was going to be the king. And if you watch his story, what he has to do for the next years, it's that mountaintop. Just imagine that moment. I just want to stop there. Imagine that moment where he's being anointed as king. Man, like this is an exciting moment, but then he has to live decade after decade and not achieve what his calling was. What I love about David and how he wrote is he wrote no matter what his circumstance was and eventually becomes king, but even when he was in the desert of his, his own desert, hiding in caves, he was running from his enemy, he was, he was shepherding the flock, he was, he, was, he was like literally trying to just stay alive. Like he was deathly hungry. He wrote things like this in Psalms 23. He said, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And he guides me along the right path for his name's sake. I don't know if you see what I see, but I don't see a pres or I don't see a future promise, but I see a present reality. I think he understood no matter if he was king or if he was a child that he could find satisfaction with the Lord now. He continues in that psalm and he says this, is you prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will flow me, or follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And Jesus, today, my prayer is this, is that you would overflow our cups. Some of us, we walk into this church, into this school where we can be the church. And man, we're just not satisfied. God, let's just be real. We're, we're hurting just a little bit. We've been caught into idealism and we've fallen into the trap of comparison. And because of those things, God, we, we, we're just struggling. We're struggling. And, and, and this, Lord, is our cry. Would you anoint us with your joy today? Reveal to us the blessings that are around us. God, name them. Reveal them. That God, I, I just ask that you would just help us that you help us lay down our idealism and our comparison, and that you would just truly create a godlike reality in our heart and our mind. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this space.
not this room, but our hearts and our minds. We welcome you to do the work from the inside out. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, every week we pray a prayer, and that prayer is a reminder that, that we cannot be satisfied with our own attempts. But it's this reminder that Jesus is the one who satisfies. Echo Church, will you stand up? And I want to invite those who have not prayed a prayer like this before to pray this for the very first time. And yet I want to invite those who are in this room to pray this prayer as a reminder that Jesus Christ pushed through life to pave a way so that we might find his peace, his joy, his life, his love. And it starts with us with a simple surrender, just admitting that we cannot do it alone. Let's pray. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. Let's take a few moments and let gratitude begin to soak into our heart.
about these moments for me is it's us allowing God to come in. We're making room for him. And I just love the message. I love how Andy wrapped up this series. And I just want to leave you with this is to let God take away those thoughts and not let the enemy manipulate you anymore. And just giving him space, giving Jesus space to enter into your life, to fill you with new hope, to fill you with new joy. And it's about us giving him our life where we walk out with more meaning, more significance. And so God, I just come to you right now and I just thank you for this incredible group of people, God. And I just pray that we can continue allowing you to transform our hearts, our minds, that we can lead with praise, that we can lead with joy and we can lead with hope, God. And we give this all to you. Amen.